Please be seated. It's a special blessing to have an opportunity, I think, to um, prepare a message during the Advent season. And it's really special, and I appreciate all of you that uh, kind of braved the elements tonight to come out. In my preparations, I, I worked really hard to come up with a clever prop. You know, like Dave's big gorilla monkey that he had a few weeks ago. Or how Tim always comes up with his little bag that he comes out here and he has Tim's bag. And then Brenda decided to go and start doing science experiments. And like last week, she spun that water around. And then I, I was thinking, and, it's, and Sean uses these little three-by-five cards. I mean, they're really tiny. That he, and he shuffles them when he preaches. And I couldn't do any of those things. I drew a blank on props, and I knew at my age there's no way I could use those little three-by-five cards. I just couldn't. So kind of, this is the print I use in my notes. This great big font, like 28 or something like that. So unfortunately, after I drew that blank, I then saw what else kind of confuses me. I couldn't come up with a prop. So I said, Christmas is confusing me this year. And that might sound odd because Advent's traditionally supposed to be four Sundays before Christmas. So with Christmas this year on a Monday, and as early a Thanksgiving in the month of November that we can get, Advent didn't even start until December. So what's up with that? Advent is always supposed to start on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. That's just the way it's supposed to be. And that's the way I just kind of thought it's happening this year. Thanksgiving marks the beginning for me, and probably many of you, of this holiday season, in spite of the fact that uh, when did Lowe's start their decorations? Mid-October. And I got my first Christmas gift catalog in September, and I'm up to 150 times I've heard them play Santa Baby on the radio since the first week in November they've been playing Santa Baby, and it drives me crazy. But anyway... It is the holiday season. For Christians, Advent's really to be a time to prepare for the birth of Christ. I think we know that. We've heard that our whole life. The world has some other plans. One of the other things we hear all the time is that Thanksgiving weekend is the biggest holiday travel season of the year. Airports jammed, tempers are short, highways are packed because the holiday season has started. Now, I want to take a little straw poll, and I know there's not a lot of us, but how many people between Thanksgiving and New Year's will travel at least 100 miles from your home? Show of hands. Okay, now add to that how many people will have somebody from more than 100 miles away that will come to visit? More hands went up. So you can see we are on the move. We travel a lot. That's what we do. Uh, we have a lot of reasons. Some of you travel to be with family members. Some of you are the family member that left your home and you travel for that or people travel to you now. Others are still traveling on business. I'm sure there's people that are making long business travels before the end of the year. Uh, it doesn't slow down. I even hear there's people who actually decide to take a vacation at this time of the year. I can't understand that, but it happens. So I was thinking about travel, so I looked up travel in the dictionary. Those of you who have been in Bible studies with me, I love the dictionary. So I looked it up, the word travel. Webster says, to go on a trip or a tour. Okay. To go from place to place. That's a pretty good one, too. And then the third one is a journey to a distant 
or unfamiliar place. A journey. And that really got me thinking. There seems to be two dimensions to the concept of a journey. One's the actual path that we travel, and the other one is the time we're on that path. So we have things like a trip to Florida, that's a journey, or a stage in life, like we're journeying through childhood, or journeying through our teen years, or some of us journeyed through time in the military. It's another kind of journey. That got me thinking, the Bible's filled with journeys. Abraham answered God's call, left his homeland on a lifetime journey to establish a new nation. Moses led the Hebrew people out of Egypt on a 40-year journey in the wilderness to enter the promised land. Jesus journeyed across a lake to heal a demon-possessed man and eventually journeyed to the cross to save us from our sins. That got me looking at journeys in Christmas. The Gospels in Matthew and Luke are filled with journeys that are a rich part of the traditions of the scriptural biblical story of Christ's birth. Tonight we heard that Mary travels to visit her older cousin Elizabeth. Mary and Joseph then are going to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Shepherds leave their flocks and travel to Bethlehem to worship a newborn king. The Magi arrive from the east, big journey, months and months. And they arrive to adore a new king. Mary and Joseph then pick up right after the birth, travel a little ways from Bethlehem back to Jerusalem to meet Anna and Simeon, who have been waiting for the Messiah. And then we have that odd story, we don't often read it during the holidays, but it's there about Mary and Joseph and the baby fleeing to Egypt to get away from the vindictiveness and evilness of Herod. So they travel all the way to Egypt. As Christians, we're moving through a holiday season in two ways. It's a spiritual journey to prepare for the birth of Christ, but we're all in the midst of this secular journey too. I found it very interesting. Some would say like a coincidence. I don't see there's a lot of coincidences in in our spiritual life, that's for sure. But the two sermon series that led up to this, if we could have that slide, that led up to this, you might remember these slides. We have strongholds, and that's the things in life that prevent us from reaching the destination that God wants for us. And then we moved into entanglements. Entanglements are how we look at things that can, uh, of our world that can impact how we use our time and our talents and our treasures. These strongholds and entanglements can really divert our godly focus during Advent and ultimately, if we're not careful, can kind of challenge our Christmas joy. Examples of strongholds could be things like anxiety or worry. Perhaps people have worried about money at this time of the year. Or perfectionism, the expectation for that perfect celebration. Or envy and greed, trying to keep up with your neighbors. Or trying to keep up with the kind of gift that somebody gives. Uh, those of you who are grandparents know what that is. You know, am, I, am I gifting as well as the other grandparents do? You know, envy and greed, these are entanglements. Entanglements. 
that can be overcommitting our time is an entanglement or breaking the budget and paying the consequences in January. They're things that entangle us. Now, I'm not trying to imply or suggest that the secular side is wrong or should be avoided. I really want to just emphasize that we need to recognize the importance of dealing with these strongholds and these entanglements that can hinder our Advent preparation and ultimately, I think if we're not careful, can, can kind of rob us of that joy of Christmas. Now back to this kind of preoccupation I had with, with journeys. I try to lay down a few things that are a generic part of a journey and then apply them to the story of Mary going to visit Elizabeth and our own journey through the Advent season. So the first stage in a journey, we should have a slide here, is the need for and identifying a destination. It's the first thing that we have to do. Mary had just received a life-changing message from an angel that she was to be the mother of the Son of God. Obviously, she's overwhelmed. Her initial response, and I love that, was, how can this be? How can this be? And the angel said some words that I think we all need to take in in a lot of different situations in our life. He said, nothing will be impossible with God. So whether it's our walk through this Advent journey or whether it's some significant issue that's going on in our life, nothing will be impossible with God. It gives us comfort in many areas of our life. Well, I think Mary needed to process this announcement from this angel She knew her fiancé, her parents, her community would find it difficult, if not impossible, to accept or believe her story. The penalty for being pregnant, we've talked about this, I think, in other Advent messages before, could be really severe. In fact, at that time in Israel's history, you still could be stoned for being pregnant before marriage. Mary needed time. She needed time to ponder what was happening to her and maybe she needed a new place to do this reflecting and this pondering. If you remember in the text, the angel mentioned that her cousin Elizabeth was also experiencing a miracle and an idea was planted and Mary knew her destination and that was to go and visit Elizabeth. For us, it's important to first recognize that we need a spiritual Advent journey. So it's this idea of recognizing the importance of us. God wants a personal, ever-deepening relationship with us. And Advent's one of those times that we can do that. It provides an excellent opportunity to prepare our spirit to celebrate Christmas. I found a really interesting quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if we could have this next slide. A Lutheran pastor who was executed by the Nazis in World War II said this in a Christmas sermon right before, the, uh, before he was executed. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. It's that looking forward to something greater to come that really is what makes Advent, from a Christian's perspective, important. There's something greater to come. And that's just a foretaste of what Jesus does throughout his ministry and for us. It's sage advice. We all need to look forward to something greater to come. As much as we may enjoy, and I'm right up there with them, 
the secular aspects of the holiday. Music, food, family gatherings, gifts. There's a long list of things to really enjoy and appreciate about the holidays. I think down deep, don't we really know that we need an Advent in our life? Just like we need Lent, we need a time to reflect on the changes that God wants and desires in our spiritual walk. Our destination in this journey is not simply a worship service, but rather how to seek God during this journey of Advent. The next kind of generic stage in a journey is to plan and prepare. The Bible provides little and almost no information regarding the planning for Mary's five-day walk from her home in Nazareth to the small village where Elizabeth lived outside of Jerusalem. It simply states she arose and went with haste. But biblical scholars do know some things about travel at this time in Israel. Traveling alone was dangerous. The best example is the story of the Good Samaritan, where this fellow was traveling by himself, attacked and beaten and left for dead. Traveling alone was dangerous. People traveled in groups. That's how you would protect yourself. One of the best examples of this happens when Jesus as a young boy is left behind and he's in the temple in Jerusalem. And Luke says that his parents thought he was in the caravan. He thought he was with a group. Mary and Joseph and Jesus and the rest of their family were traveling in this big group, coming from Nazareth back and forth to Jerusalem. Travelers at that time would have either camped out or would have stayed in private homes. We've heard a number of messages about biblical hospitality. So it would have been a journey framed in this kind of a structure. But you look at it, good Jewish parents would never have allowed a teenage Mary to travel by herself. So this all fits. I like to believe that Mary's father would have found another family who was going to the Jerusalem area at that time and put her in their charge. And the same way coming home. Well, it doesn't talk about a lot of planning. Put yourself in that father's position. He did some planning to get his daughter down there. We tend to do a lot of planning. We do a lot of planning for our secular holiday. We make to-do lists. I make a lot of to-do lists. I guess this is a prop. I left it there. I, I got a smartphone, and I love that little note feature. I make lists all the time. Drives my wife crazy. I mark my things off lists, and I add to them. We schedule get-togethers. We set aside time for shopping. We examine our budget. But it makes me think, how much time do we really spend? How much time do I spend on my spiritual Advent journey planning? The next stage is the actual travel to the destination. We experience the journey. We know from the text it said Mary went with haste, but again, little message, a little mention of the actual journey. While this five-day walk might have been arduous, because of the Jew Jewish traditions, they would have made that journey many times. So it was probably almost routine. It gave her time to think, it gave her time to ask questions, to talk about what her future looked like. But the journey was important to her. Our secular journey to Christmas is jammed-packed. 
We can fill December with so many activities and wonderful traditions, music programs. We can go shopping. I don't like that one so much, but others do. Office parties, celebrations with family members, cookie baking, gift wrapping, decorating the house, decorating the tree. You could almost have a frazzling list in front of you with all the things we can pack into December. And in fact, these activities and events leading up to Christmas can even have the potential to overshadow the final event, can overshadow the destination. For some, the actual holiday can seem anticlimactic. Some of the big things already happened. Maybe some it's a letdown. Perhaps Christmas doesn't always match the expectations. You know, expectations for those perfect celebrations like the one we see on TV or in magazines or on Pinterest, that everything's just perfect. During these weeks leading up to Christmas, we encounter and must confront strongholds and entanglements that compete with this spiritual journey. Tonight's text from Hebrews, I picked that because it suggested three things that please God. Praying, serving, and giving. And then I found another interesting little quote from Nicky Gumbel from the Alpha Bible Study. He said, Grace is a gift, and the appropriate response to a gift is thanksgiving. Praise is the supreme form of thanksgiving, and therefore praise and worship is the appropriate response to the God of all grace. And I really like to apply that to this Advent journey. This Advent, let's reflect often on the real meaning of the season. Pray, read the Bible, perhaps do a daily devotion. Make praise and worship special to you. Be thankful for your blessings and serve others with your time, talent, and treasures. Another thing really struck me, and it's a lot to do with being a witness to those around us, but have you ever thought about what's the image we portray to our non-Christian friends and co-workers or neighbors? Do they see that Christ makes a difference in how we celebrate Christmas? Because that's where some of this separation and keeping the right balance comes into play. Again, we don't need to abandon our traditions, but we need to constantly be alert to prioritizing and balance. The next stage in the journey is reaching the destination. For Mary, the arrival at the home of Elizabeth was a joyous family reunion, but also a continuation of experiencing the hand of God. Upon hearing the, Mary's voice, the text tonight said, the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb and she was filled with the Spirit. Without any prior information, Elizabeth spontaneously proclaimed that Mary was to be the mother of the Messiah, her Lord. For Mary, the destination brought even more confirmation about the future of the baby that she was carrying and would deliver shortly. We didn't read it tonight, but it's farther down in the text. Uh, this destination prompted Mary to respond with those beautiful words that we call the Magnificat. And it's about ten verses in total, but two of them I really love. It says, My soul exalts the Lord. In spite of all these things that she's facing and going to face in the months ahead, 
my soul exalts the Lord. And the other one is, for the mighty one has done great things for me. The world might not see it so great at this point, but she knew it was great things for her. The, reaching the destination made a difference in Mary's life. The journey was worth it. Our spiritual journey to Advent needs to culminate in more than attending worship on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Our journey needs to lead to that life-changing encounter with God. The final element in any journey is a subtle one, to decide where to go next. Oftentimes that means to return home, but it's part of the journey. After staying with Elizabeth, the text says for about three months, Luke simply says she returned home. But I think that was a whole process again. Same doubts, same questions, a lot of time with God. For Mary, returning home was another stop on her spiritual journey, a journey that would last throughout her lifetime. In 12 days, that's kind of a scary thought, in 12 days, we conclude our Advent journey. We have an opportunity to decide where to go next. We can hit the return home button and do Advent again next year and the year after that. Or we can decide to continue our own personal spiritual walk, seeking a closer relationship with God and a commitment to be more like Jesus in all of our remaining journeys. Please stand and join me in a time of prayer. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity that you give each and every one of us to take this journey. Lord, you made that possible. Lord, uh, you came. You came as a baby. Didn't expect that, Lord. You came. You grew up. You ministered. You left people behind. You died for our sins. Rose again. Lord, it's an amazing journey. Lord, it's a journey that uh, you left your church behind to continue. Lord, to spread your message to others. Lord, in this Advent season, Lord, I just pray that each and every one of us can be good witnesses to those around us. Lord, that that light that you shine through us, Lord, can be picked up and spread to others. Lord, that we can grow closer to you during this Advent season and in the seasons ahead. All this we raise in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Thank you, Greg.